Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. You know, the Lord speaks to us personally and, and also as a people, like he speaks to the, the body of Christ and he speaks to local churches and, and how many know we are the church together? right? Um, it, it's important that we understand that hearing the voice of the Lord is actually refined in community and in relationship through the word, through the scripture. Uh, I, I've learned, and I'm sure this is something that uh, everyone can struggle with from time to time, is that sometimes God told me can be used as a tool of manipulation. And we have to be careful Uh, that we don't step into that. We also have to be careful that we don't come to a place where nobody can question what God tells us. Because if nobody can question our God told me, then we've just become our own God voice. And this is, that's how cults stay cults and become cults and things like that. I feel like sometimes though, like we're, we're out in left field trying to hear the voice of the Lord. And he's like, if you just come back to where I've called you, which is to feast on my word, come back to the scripture, to value the scripture. There's a lack of value for the, the authoritative word of God in the body of Christ today. You know, we've deconstructed our way out of everything and, uh, and we need to get back to Jesus and his word and hear his voice. And that has nothing to do with the message. That was free, praise God. But I'm telling you that because I believe not only does God speak to us individually, but he speaks corporately in the book of Revelation over and over and over. God's speaking to the churches. He says, let him who has ears hear what the spirit is saying to the church. I mean, the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church and he uses different people. He used prophetic words to confirm and things like that. But I want to be, uh, I want to read out of John chapter four. I want to talk about the encounter that Jesus has with the Samaritan woman at the well. And I'm going to just go through a few things that were just highlighted to me, but I believe that the Lord is speaking to us about the season that we're in right now, and we need to grab a hold of it. We need to hear what God's saying. How many know that in the kingdom of God, things start with a declaration? And so let's hear what the king is saying so that we can get in our hearts and step into the season that God has called us to to step into. Sometimes we don't see a promise performed because we're not receiving the promise. It's like God has declared something, there's truth, there's a seed that goes forth and he's waiting, he's watching, Jeremiah 1.12, watching his word that he might perform it. What is he watching for? He's waiting for the seed to be received in the garden of the hearts of believers. He's waiting for our hearts to open up and say, God, I believe what you're saying and doing in this hour, in this generation, in this church, in this season, in this region, And then we move forward and do what God has called us to do. And I feel like sometimes we paint this whole picture like we're waiting for all this stuff to happen. We're waiting for uh, whatever, some sort of extended revival meeting. And then we can win the lost. Or we're waiting for another unity prayer meeting. And then we'll see revival. You know, can I just get this off my chest for a minute? There's a lot of unity prayer meetings that are totally unrelational and not effective. You cannot have unity without relationship. It's impossible. It's like trying to understand the Trinity without understanding the oneness, the distinction, the oneness. Unity is a a vivid expression of diversity and oneness. But you can't have unity in the city church 
just by coming together every once in a while. No, we, we need to sit at a table and we need to have conversations. We need to get to know one another. We need to get, leaders need to get together. Come on. And, and I, I feel like we're always waiting for the next best thing. It's like, well, what if, you know, well, I'm just waiting for the right relationship, the right community. What if God has given you what you need? It's right in front of you, but he's just waiting for us to steward it. You know, like revival. I'm, oh, God, would you just bring revival? For many years, we cried out to God for revival. And then he said, plant a church. We're like, yeah, but we, we got to see revival first, God. And then we'll plant a church. He's like, no, plant a church. Uh, but, but God, you know, your city just needs revival. It's Sin City. And he's like, well, I don't call it that. Really? You don't call it Sin City? What do you call it? I call it Revival City. Read my word. Where, where sin abounds, grace more aboundeth. So we started seeing things from a heavenly perspective. And then we realized the whole time we're crying out, crying out to God, like sackcloth and ashes. Lord, would you, uh, I'm going to tear my shirt off and pray and grab the horns of the altar and sacrifice sheep and goats and, you know, whatever it is. We do the same thing with worship. You know, if I worship long enough and I sweat enough, then, then God will bring revival. God's like, I want to bring revival way more than you could even comprehend. If you would just love the people and go see the people that are a ripe harvest, you will see revival. What if revival just happened like breathing air when we began to love with the love of God? We're waiting for some God. To, oh, when God moves. Well, well, wait till we get into the building, Pastor. No, I'm not waiting till we get in the building. It's good to be prepared for things, but let's go. It's, it's on, man. Like now's the time. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next decade, not when your president gets in office. What are we waiting for somebody that, that adheres to our ideology to be in power? I don't care about somebody's ideology. I care about the heart of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords whose government shall have no end. I'm preaching way better than you're responding, but God forgives you anyways. We're not waiting for revival to happen. How about instead we become revival? You see, the story in John chapter 4 was about Jesus encountering a woman who was a half-breed, who was, uh, was outside the covenant people of God. He wasn't even supposed to be talking to her, let alone a woman, a rabbi talking to a woman at a well. A well is a place where a woman would find a man. Twerking was invented there, possibly, scholars say. Scholars don't say that. I'm kidding. <laughs> Throughout the scripture, though, it was a place like it was a place for the thirsty in all kinds of ways. It was a place for where a brokenhearted woman who was a Samaritan met the lover of lovers. And one encounter and one conversation reached an entire city. How many conversations does God want to have with us where we can reach our entire city? Or how many conversations is God having with other people that don't know him yet and he's waiting for us to come tell him, Jesus is the one you're looking for. And I look through the scripture and this chapter and it's just beautiful. I mean, it starts off where it says that he had to go through Samaria. Now, geographically, you kind of have to go through Samaria, but historically, Jews avoided Samaria. Because they were racist against Samaritans. There was an ethnic divide between Jews and Samaritans. And they avoided it. But the Bible says, John says here, for a reason, he had 
to go through Samaria because it wasn't just about the geography. It was about the divine appointment that he had to meet this woman at the well. You see, love calls us into places that create divine appointments. Love turns appointments into divine appointments. When we capture the heart of the father for humanity, we'll look out and we'll see that the harvest is ripe. And the Lord spoke to me one phrase, and, and we're, I want to go through here. I'm not going to tell you the phrase until the very end, though. If you heard first service, you probably know. Don't say it. Don't spoil it. I don't have any sermon notes, so I'm going to do my best to preach what I preach first service. I believe it's a word for this time. We're stepping into a new season, and we're stepping into a time where it's time for us to say, here am I, send me. Amen. So Jesus went through Samaria Noonday, he's wearied, he sits by the well, and here's this Samaritan woman. Jesus initiates conversation with her. It wasn't common for Jews to even deal with Samaritans, and, and that's why she even says, why, why are you talking to me, Lord? I'm paraphrasing. Why are you talking to me? What you want, Lord? What you want, Jesus? How many know that Jesus said, though, what did he say? Give me a drink. And then she goes on. And I love this, man. I feel like as a people, we need to hear verse 10. If you only knew the gift of God and who it is that you're talking to. If you only knew the gift of God. I feel like th this is not only to us, but also to the world around. Yes. We could preach, if you only knew the gift of forgiveness and salvation that he wants you to receive, that he's already provided for you. The table is set, come and feast. If you knew that there was living water for you and you don't have to come back to this silly old well looking for love in all the wrong places. You can find love if you knew the gift of God. If you knew the gift of God. It's such a beautiful story, man, where... Jesus meets this woman. He says, if you knew who you were talking to, girl, you'd be asking me for a drink and I would give you living water. And then she, sir, you don't have a bucket. The well is deep, blah, blah, blah. We do the same thing with the Lord. Jesus is like, if you only knew how easy, hear me, this is going to bug our religious mindset. If you knew, only knew how easy revival is. Wherever you go, the Holy Spirit goes. Well, God, would you, just, would you just show up? I'm so tired of hearing that. God doesn't show up. He shows off. He's everywhere. He manifests his presence. He reveals his love. He's everywhere. He fills all things. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, God, would you just show up? You know how you get God to show up? Well, you have to really cry out and be desperate. No, you have to know that he's with you and closer than the very air you breathe. And you've got the same Holy Spirit Jesus walked in. That he was anointed by his father with. We partake of the same anointing. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal body. Well, but yeah, but it's not the same because Jesus, it's Jesus. And the Father loves you just as much he loves Jesus. He's not going to withhold something from you. See, when we yield to the reign of the king, the heartbeat of the king, we release the kingdom of God. 
We release revival. If you only knew the gift of God, if you only knew how easy revival would be if you just loved. Love is the valve. And when I say love, I mean the love of God. When I say love, I don't mean passive love. I don't mean like, well, just, you know, you just have to believe who, who I think I am. No, love, do, love doesn't compromise. Love is not passive. Love is an active transforming force that tells you who you really are, not who you think you are or who you want to be. If you only knew the gift of God. Why don't you just strive for revival? There's, oh, I don't have a bucket and the well's so deep. So where do you find this living water? And Jesus says, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty. But if you drink living water, you'll never thirst again. And that water will become a fountain, a wellspring of life of the Holy Spirit flooding us. And she's like, let me drink this water so I don't have to come back here again. There's so many wells, so many buckets in life. There's so many things that we get stuck in, even in our churchianity, even in our Christian faith. We have our buckets and our wells, and sometimes they're overt things that the Lord wants us to leave behind. But one of them is thinking that something has to happen before we step into the next move of God. You know what needs to happen is we just need to yield to it. When we planted a church in Las Vegas, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I had anticipation for a move of God. And we started loving people. We were doing outreach. The harvest was everywhere. The harvest was all over. We went where the harvest was. We tried to get the heart of the Father, and then see what the Father was doing and go do what the Father was doing. And we found it, it works a lot better when you preach a salvation message when you're in front of the harvest. There's always a big response. We would do an outreach and 100 people get saved just like that. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. I remember doing a Sunday night service trying to get people to come to a building and one person received the Lord. And all of heaven rejoices over the one person, but I like 100 more. I told my daughter, I said, hey, you better tell your Bible teacher to try to throw me on that chapel schedule at Finney because there's a lot of new students there that are not saved. I'm like, I'll believe God for 40 souls when I come preach. 40 young people are going to get born again. I'm going to believe God for souls. We planted the church. We started believing God for souls. And then we found surrounded by all these broken people. Like, what are we doing, Lord? Like, Lord, how do we pastor these people? We, they're all ex- Drug addicts, drug dealers, prostitutes, and pimps. There was this lady that kind of reminds me of the woman at the well. Let's just say her name is Monique. And she would come in. She was very broken. And I could tell you a little bit more about her history. But it doesn't matter. You just need to know she was very broken. And she always wanted prayer. She always wanted a hug. And she would come in. And she would sit down on the front row and weep all through worship. And all through the message, she just sat and received the love of the Father. She spent most of her life looking for love in all the wrong places and then met the lover of all lovers. She drank living water. We didn't wait for some move of God to happen. We became a move of God. William Booth said, I am a move of God. William Booth would stand outside bars and just preach the gospel. He got spat on, mocked. But then those drunkards that spat and mocked him got saved and they'd be standing next to him the next night preaching the gospel. He raised up 50,000 evangelists, William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. It's turned into more of a benevolence move, but it started out as an army of people that were bringing souls into the kingdom of God. Smith Wigglesworth said, if God's not moving, 
I'll move him. Well, that sounds a, little, sounds a little too bold. You know what he was talking about? He's saying, if things aren't working, if there doesn't seem to be an outpouring, there's no extended revival meetings, there's no outpouring, rain from heaven, we're always praying for rain. How about God floods the earth through the river out of your heart? Because there's a river. And guess what? All you have to do is drink living water. And this is the story we see here. Drink, and out of your belly will flow. John 7, 37 and 38. The woman says, I want this water so I don't have to come back to this well. This well represented the gaping hole in her heart. This well represented her looking for love, but not finding it. As I jump down, most of us know the story in John 4. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But Jesus reads her mail in a way where she says, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. There's a lot of things I think we get confused on with that whole thing. I think Jesus was more exposing her wounds rather than her sin. I think that Jesus was, of course, there was conviction and love, not condemnation. And, and here's the thing when it comes to going out and preaching the gospel, we've got to learn not to be condescending. We've got to learn, you know, in the Great Commission in John chapter 20, Jesus said, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain them, they're retained. And then it says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What if we preach the Great Commission as if people were already pre-forgiven and they just had to receive it? What if forgiveness is flowing from heaven like a river of love and we're just asking people to step into it? Then we don't look at them like they're outsiders because the Samaritan look was looked at like an outsider. A Samaritan was looked at as a half-breed. Well, you're not really in, God, in covenant with God. But the world around us is just as much invited as our praying grandma that's been saved 30,000 years. Come on, somebody. The world around us that's broken. In fact, there's even more of a heart, of, a heart that is a longing, the heart of the shepherd to leave the 99 and go find the one. Yeah. We need to look for the women at the well. We need to look for those, the broken ones. We need to look for, we need to get God's heart. Because the phrase the Lord spoke to me is that the harvest that you're looking for, the harvest that you're wanting, that we're wrongly praying for, because we're not called to pray for the harvest, we're called to pray for laborers, the harvest is not tomorrow. The harvest is now. What if revival was as easy as just saying, God, here am I, send me. Now go out and reap the reward of the harvest. This is what happened. All it took is one conversation with the woman at the well, and she reaches her entire city. She just says, I met someone who told me about my entire life. And she begins to just tell her story. You have a story. I have a story. We all have a story. Verse 26, I love this. It's so good. Jesus says, he's like telling her about worship. He's talking about worship, which by the way, worship and evangelism are connected. I love what Bill Johnson says that true evangelism is an overflow of worship. Because without encountering him, you can't bring anyone else into an encounter with him. 
We can't do ministry or evangelize without having a relationship with Jesus. Evangelism is not just walking someone through Romans Road, making them feel guilty and they're a sinner. And if they know they're a sinner in need of a Savior, then you lead them in the sinner's prayer. And Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, come into my heart and come into my life. Come on, it can become so, so robotic and so formalized that there's no glory on it. There's no love in it. We're just out there. I've seen evangelism on the other extreme where you're just literally in Las Vegas. It happened all the time. People were just scolding other people around them. You're going to go to hell. God's mad at you, blah, blah, blah. We got signs and we changed it. We put God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. Free healing, free prayer. God loves you because that is the gospel. The gospel's not like, hey, you better watch out because you're going to burn. You better turn. No, it's come as you are and you won't stay as you are. Come and drink and you'll be transformed. Come on. Come like the woman at the well looking for love in all the wrong places her entire life and then she meets the one. Come on. She meets the one who has the proverbial slipper that fits her foot the lover of all lovers and she was never the same after that and here's what Jesus says to her you don't have to wait any longer the anointed one is here she's like I, I like all that worship stuff Jesus that sounds cool but the Messiah is coming when he comes he'll tell you he'll tell me about that stuff he's like I am the one you're talking about he says, you don't have to wait any longer. This is the gospel. This is what we need to be telling people in, in the streets right now. Come on, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here talking to you. Jesus is the one you've been looking for. Jesus is the one you need. Jesus is the only one who can satisfy. I don't, I don't know about you, man, but the, it, the testimony of our salvation should never get old. The moment you were born again, whether you were in Sunday school and four years old, or you were like me, 17, and drinking and drug addicted, and I radically encountered the Lord. And you know what the gospel message was? My sister saying, oh man, I prayed this prayer and I was born again. It was really cool and I'm not going to hell. I'm like, I don't want to go to hell. It sounds cool to me. Why? Because the harvest is ripe. It was just bam. It was like that. I was ready. The Lord had been working on my heart. My uncle gave me a Bible six months before. I was ditching school reading the Bible. I don't know why. Why? Because the Spirit was drawing me. The Spirit was working on my heart. You see, there's Samaritans that are in the world right now Jesus is already having conversations with, and he's just waiting for you and I to go to them and say, Jesus is the one that's been talking to you. Your testimony never gets old. The joy of your salvation, the moment where you met the kindness of Jesus and he washed you and he washed me and he cleanses us with his blood and he fills us with his spirit. That is the mandate we are called to bring people into an encounter with that same love. I love this. This is so amazing. All at once, after all this, all at once. Jesus is like, you don't have to look any, any further. The woman left her water jar, verse 28, and ran off to her village and told everyone. She told everyone. What I love about that is she told everyone, but what I love even more about that is she left her water pot. When you meet him, the thing that represents your past mistakes, your past rejections, your past failures, your defeats, your disappointments, the things that we, man, if I could just learn to do this right, I've fallen on my face over and over and over. I constantly feel like I've been defeated. She left that behind. The water pot got left and she ran. When you meet Jesus, you leave all of that behind. 
Even the lie that says you have to cry out to God and fast and pray for 40 days to get revival. No, become revival. Become a move of God. Ask God to grip your heart and break your heart for the things that breaks his heart. The fall kickoff to me is that the word of the Lord in closing is in verse 35. It says they flooded to see Jesus after this woman. They're coming. They're, all these people. Can you imagine just a flood of Samaritans? You know, when Jesus did this, not only did he, not only did he bring revival to this woman, but he bought, brought ethnic reconciliation. You know, it's interesting that Finney, two stories I was reminded of, somebody told me this, and when he was building a church, there was no balcony, and that was not common because the balcony was for people of color. The balcony, blacks and whites didn't go to church in that time together. The Azusa Street Revival, one of the most remarkable things about the Azusa Street Revival, William Seymour being one of the catalysts, a, a, a blind black man, he was blind in one eye, prayer warrior, that one of the most remarkable things that took place was that people from every nation came to worship just to be in the presence of God. And Finney was building a church here, and the church plans didn't have a balcony. And they're like, well, where are all the people of color going to sit? He's like, oh, no, you don't understand. We all sit together. And you know what? You know what Finney said? Anytime they prayed against racism, God moved. Anytime they intentionally came against ethnic separation, revival, the oil of heaven was all over it. The move of God in this region is going to be marked with ethnic reconciliation. I'm telling you, man. I feel it. I feel it in my spirit, man. And so all these Samaritans are running at Jesus. History says they have white turbans on. That's why the harvest is white. Come on. The harvest was there. there all these White turbans of these Middle Eastern Samaritans are running. Look, the harvest is right here. The harvest is right here. Jesus is like, the harvest is right here. The harvest is ripe. And the word of the Lord in verse 35, as the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at the people coming. Now is harvest time. Their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain ready for harvest. Let me tell you what the word of the Lord is right now. Now is the time for harvest. Not when we move into the building. Come on. Not tomorrow. Now is the time for harvest. It's time for us to rise up and say, here am I. Send me. Lord, would you give me your heart so I can see the world the way you see the world? Would you send me to the broken places to be repairs of the streets? I remember this young man sitting on the back of the church doorstep. I was not in the mood to minister to anybody. I was tired. It was Monday and I had not had my coffee yet. Well, Pastor, aren't you filled with the Spirit? Yes, but I still needed some coffee. I had the Monday preacher blues. It happens every Monday. Some of y'all text me, great sermon. Thank you. You get me out of the depression on Mondays. Always rethinking things. It's Monday and I, and I have a box full of things. We're bringing it in. My wife and I are going in and this homeless teenager 
sitting out, we, our church is in the inner city area in Las Vegas, and this is about four years into the church plant. We saw a massive explosion of souls. I mean, you know, the church just was thriving, and we're loving people, and we don't really know what we're doing. And I'm not saying I even really know what I'm doing now. I'm doing, I'm trying to say yes to the best of my ability, but I'm still learning and growing and learning what discipleship is and all this stuff and church culture and trying to be a pastor. And I'm walking in the door and I'm like, how's it going, man? He's sitting there with another young girl. And instead of the casual, oh, good, what's up, man? Yeah, thanks. He's like, not very good. Not very good, man. Immediately I was gripped. The Lord's like, what are you doing? This is what the harvest is right in front of you. Minister to him. He's thirsty. He needs some living water. So I put the stuff away. I didn't wait for coffee. I went out there and I said, can I pray for you? I began to pray for him. And I just was like, Lord, I just bless this young man. I don't know you. Then the Lord started showing me things specifically about his life. I started, I said, hey, you have a daughter, don't you? He's like, how do you know that? I'm like, just let me pray for you. Don't worry about it. Sometimes God shows us things. I started praying. He's weeping. The girl next to him, weeping. They receive the Lord. It's a powerful moment. An encounter with God on the step of the, the back of the church there. That night, we had a guest worship leader. It might have been the next day. I don't remember. But he, uh, he comes, and it's packed out. And this worship leader, Jake Hamilton, is singing one of his songs. I think it's called the anthem. And I look behind me and I see the young man that was drug addicted, depressed and broken and unsaved. And he's there with his hands raised. And he's declaring the anthem. I have destiny. I am royalty. I have been set free. I'm like, this is God. What if there's a harvest that's just ripe and right in front of us and he's waiting for us to welcome it in? I believe that now is harvest time, not tomorrow. I believe we're progressing. There's good things happening. The building, we're moving forward. There's been breakthrough. There's favor. But I'm not waiting till the building's built to reap the harvest. I truly believe the harvest is now. How many can say amen to that? Can we just in a spirit of humility and honor before the Lord... Can we rise up and stand together and lift our hands? And let me just close in prayer before we dismiss you. Jesus, give us your heart for people. May we be bridge builders. May we tear down walls between peoples, between families. Lord, we want to restore. We want to bring healing. We want to bring people into an encounter with you. And we know the harvest is ripe. The harvest is now. I believe that is the word of the Lord for us. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Listen, I'm going to do this and we didn't have this plan. I know we have uh, a lot of things going to go on after service, which is wonderful. But if you 
feel like you need to leave your water pot behind, whatever that represents. It could be a sin in your life. It could, whatever it is, it could be disappointment. It could be, you know, uh, striving for revival and all that. And you're ready to just drink living water. You're ready to just say yes to the call of God. You're ready to just believe that the harvest is now. And you want to leave your water pot behind and you want to become revival. You want to become an outflow of a move of God. You want the river of living water to flow out of your heart. I want you without hesitation. Would you quickly just come? And as you come, leave your water pot behind and come up here and let waves of his love crash into you. Come bow before the Lord. Come turn your heart to him. Come and just drink in living water. God is going to brand your heart. As you come up, there is a branding, a fiery love that's just going to grip your heart. There's others. I know there's others. Just come down right now. And would you, as you come down, just begin to talk to the Lord. Just cry out and say, Lord, I give you my heart. Lord, I'm here. I'm yours. I'm here. I'm yours. I want to love the broken. I want to be a part of this move of God. And he says, you are. Just drink living water and let rivers flow out of you. Let rivers flow out of you. Lord, thank you right now for what you're doing. I just pray that you would just brand every heart. Can we have our ministry team come down and just begin to quietly and reverently and very in a sensitive way, just begin to pray over those that are down here. Just release the power of God. As the prayer team lays hands on you, man, I believe God's gonna impart just the presence of God over you. So Lord, we thank you. Brand us with the truth that revival is now. Harvest is now. Now, we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait. And Jesus says, man, I, there's another that is sown and you're reaping the benefits. I feel like that was us. We come to Rochester, man, and there's been people praying, believing God for 40 years. The building's half built and we, we get to see all this. We just, it's a suddenly moment. God's doing it. And you're, we're all a part of it together as a family. We say, yes. We say, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me, Lord. Thank you, Father. We thank you. If there's anyone else, come down. Come down and just let this be a moment where you're just doing some time with the Lord. Just stepping into destiny. Stepping into the new season. Hearing His voice. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Some of you, the water pot represented like an overt struggle that you've had. And I just believe the Lord is breaking that chain right now. Some of the shackles that have been woven into the wounds of your heart, the Lord is dissecting that wound. He is, he's carefully removing the shackle, that chain, that bondage out of your heart and soul. Because of a wound, there was something that, that uh, there's a wound where it was not healed and, the, and it resulted in bondage. And I feel like the Lord is saying, it's time to step into freedom. Those of you that left a water pot, when you came down here and you feel like you can't, you, I wanna be free, Lord. I, I need to be free. There, you're getting right with God and shackles are being broken over your life. Lord, I believe it now in Jesus' name. Freedom. Genuine repentance. Genuine repentance. We turn to you. We need you. We need your grace to rise up, to overcome, to reign in life, to be free, to walk in freedom now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me 
and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.